Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Of a Miles Jag, you listen to the Fantasy Jesse Show. The Fantasy Jesse Show, Miles Jack. The wait a minute, that wasn't the UCLA standout Jacksonville uh, Jaguar linebacker. You bet it was. That would mean I would be. Wait a minute, he was talking about the Fantasy Jesse Show. Let me check. Yep. How you doing, folks? You know who it is. The Fantasy Jester, how's everybody doing tonight? You know where I'm coming from. If you don't, I'm coming from D-Land, Florida. Absolutely beautiful night again tonight. A little chilly. Don't get me wrong, a little chilly, but again, I can't complain. I hope all of you are doing well wherever you're tuning in from tonight. We've got quite the show tonight. I mean, unbelievable show tonight. And I... As I've had before, I've had some really crazy guests, some wild guests, some fun guests. We've had a lot of laughs with guests, and we've had some guests that just really do things that most of us wouldn't do. You know, I've talked to Ryan Walton, and we've talked to him a couple times now. Diving with sharks, no cage. And... uh, Unfortunately, through talking with him, now Mrs. Jester is just as bad. She is now diving and snorkeling and all that stuff with sharks. That's not the Jester, I can promise you that. Now, the guest tonight just takes it to a whole nother level. Because for me, you know, I'm going to get a chance to talk to somebody tonight that I'm a huge fan of. I believe he's an incredible inspiration of what you can do against what people believe is possible. You could literally have a whole world thinking you're crazy. And we're going to find out he thought it was nuts when he first heard it, too. And I had to figure out how. Imagine jumping from a perfectly good airplane at 25,000 feet, more than four and a half miles, without a parachute. Our guest tonight, Luke Akins, 
has done just that. The video Heaven Sent is the most remarkable, remarkable thing I have seen in my life because it really just stretches your mind to not take for granted what you think is possible. Start looking at what is impossible and going, hmm, maybe I can do that. Like our guest tonight, Luke Akins did. Absolutely excited about having him on. I can't, I'd like to say I have that same excitement about bringing JT on and, uh, no, I do. I, I can't wait. I'll bring him in in a minute. Uh, you know him, Jason Townsend, my uh, partner on both this show and on FXE Live, our wrestling show on Wednesday nights. Catch that 9 p.m. You don't want to miss that. If you haven't tuned in yet, uh, that's, a, that's a fantastic show. You never know what's going to happen on that show. It's, it, it's fun. It really is. Uh, before I get into my rant tonight and, and all that, you know, for some of you who follow the Jester and FXE, you also know that I have a uh, psycho twin brother, the fantasy Jester, and uh, he haunts me everywhere I go. But I also actually have a little brother who haunts me and has haunted me uh, for, for several years now. And uh, I just want to wish him and his uh, lovely wife a happy anniversary today. Today's their anniversary. So to both of them, uh, many more and all the happiness. Now, as I get ready to go ahead and get into my rant and then talk about the show, because we've got a bunch going on tonight, you know, we've got, combine you know this is mine and jt's time where we're paying attention to what's going on it's always nice to have the measurables they don't mean everything you know people like tom brady and all that have proven that you know it's not all about the measurables because they still haven't figured out how to get that one measurable that means the most and and that's your heart your desire your will to succeed. So uh, JT and I will talk about that uh, tonight. We're also going to talk about fast lane coming up for WWE because, you know, we still do cover them a little bit. We try not to do too much, but uh, <laughs> just because it, it, it's, it, it's been monotonous. But there's been a couple of new twists and turns, and, and we'll talk about that. We'll talk about fast lane. Uh, I have my predictions. JT has is tonight on my rant, and uh, it is really a rant. Somebody, one of the wrestlers, uh, has lost her mind. I mean, absolutely, absolutely lost her mind. And that is, Mila Naniki is wanting me to bet my beard. And I really think that that whole thing, do you, listen, do you understand what betting my beard means? I mean, does anybody have any idea what that would be to me? Does anybody understand what 
the beard does for me. Here, here's what the beard does. Forget about it. There's just no way. Uh, you know, I shouldn't say there's no way I'm not betting the beard. I'll tell you what. I, I've been saying this on Twitter. And I'm going to say it here on the air. Uh, I need to speak with my lady there. I need to speak with Santana Garrett. If she tells me, I'll tell you what. Here's what I'm going to do. Mila, I, I know you're out there. And I certainly know you're listening. You can't stop paying attention to the jester you want to call it the other way but really let's be honest okay i know you're listening right now i'll tell you what if santana's garrett says bet the beard i will bet the beard folks how's that there let's start off there's a way to start off the show let's kick off with that rant out of the way just before i bring in jt I also have one other little note I want to go ahead and uh, get out there. This week, one of the uh, members of our staff, a great, great person, him and his wife have welcomed a new baby in uh, Denver Everett and Amanda Everett. Beautiful people. Welcomed in baby Callie this week, February 28th, 3.44 a.m., 6 pounds, 10 ounces, Uh, 18 inches long. We have all the measurables on her, and she projects to be a uh, first-round pick for the WNBA in, wow. Uh, Actually, we'll get the actual real uh, where she should fall in the draft from one of our other experts here that we bring to you at FantasyJesterSports.com. Is my co-host in everything we do, and I'm about to bring him in, the one, the only, Jason, J.T. Townsend. J.T., how are you tonight, man? Um, Try not to choke on my tongue after the thought of you playing that song and what you were doing while that song was playing. Um, I have to say, if that's the case, that's a beard, please. And, and, and since Neil is not here to uh, speak for herself at this point, I will say... If you didn't listen to FXE Live last Wednesday, the jester did sound pretty damn confident when he said Mila would lose in under one minute. So I'm not sure what all this uh, pussyfooting around is about having to talk to Santana. You talked to her last Wednesday night live on the air. I just want to double check with her. I hear, you know, listen, here's been Mila's reaction overall. When I talk to her, this is Mila on the phone. Oh, God. Well, let's say this. Let, let's say this. Okay, you and your crickets. Oh, you and your crickets. I feel like I'm at uh, Renegade and uh, Menace's place all over again. But <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> let's let's be real about it. So, by the way, think about this. Playing by the rules. Two weeks from right now, we're smack dab in the middle of St. Patrick's Day hangover. So, you know, there's a thought for you coming up two weeks from tonight. Uh, looking forward to that. 
Yeah, which means that we're going to have to do something about our schedule because we're not going to be able to come from we're going to be at the Deland Armory, folks. And uh, believe it or not, we love to be able to do our podcast and, uh, and sync up from there so that the live show would actually be occurring uh, during the podcast. But there's one little problem, and it's you have to run it off the Internet. How we do this is off the Internet. And, uh, you know, that's why they call it Internet Radio. And um, exactly. crazy. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Captain Obvious. Funny how that it. works. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, the problem with that, folks, is if you try and hook into the Wi-Fi at the National Guard Armory, they're probably not going to give you the password. Just saying. Um, right, wouldn't that be a, a nothing you can do? Nothing you can do. I mean, I, that's kind of what it sounds like, but let's look at it this way. You know, we'll be there in town instead of from a satellite location like Fort Worth, like I am right now. So maybe we look at a Friday night or something like that. You know, we'll have to talk about that, but you know, we can't go a week without the show. Well, I mean, you'll be, the, you'll be here in town. So maybe that that's one that we can set up on a Friday night. You and I live in the studio. I'm sure the, pe- the uh, people would like that one to see what turns out that night. God, that's just a scary thought, you and I in the same room at the same time. Got to ask you something. Um, you know, one of the things, I'm sure it was pretty much like we were sitting in the same room at the same time as the uh, combine has been happening. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure you've had an opportunity to watch. And, uh, you know, obviously, breaking CJ's record, that is just absolutely the news of the day. Mr. Ross there. And uh yeah, four now what, That's fast. Man. It's, it's a little Thinking, fast. Yeah. You know what though? I have to yeah. say, you think that's fast? You should see how fast he runs if Cleveland drafts him with the first overall pick because I bet you it's quicker. <laughs> no, you know, I really I don't think Cleveland's gonna do anything but take a quarterback. I think they realize that they should have just taken Wentz last year and been done with it. Hey, yeah, Wentz, Wentz would have been the right pick. Wentz would have been the right pick. Um, the guy showed what he can do with – well, look what he did in Philly with the lack of, of talent on the outside. So, if, uh, you know, the Eagles can get him a wide receiver or two this year, I think you're really going to see that kid take off. It's uh, it's going to be interesting. I want to see what happens to his draft stock now, uh, where, how, how much he moves up from where he was projected. So that's going to be interesting. Now, you, you had the opportunity to take a look. I mean, obviously, everybody uh, – the other news has been the tight end class uh, possibly being the best ever. Uh, is that something that you agree with? That, that, is a, that is a tall order to say the best ever. When you look at guys like uh, Njoku, for example, who I'm a big fan of, O.J. Howard out of Alabama, another uh, big tight end, Gerald Everett out of South Alabama, you know, a guy we saw out of, uh, uh, you know, smaller school, the tight ends tend to do well. A guy I also really like is Evan Ingram uh, out of Ole Miss. So the SEC uh, well represented in the top four there with two tight ends. So this could be a, a, a good class because a lot of these guys, Njoku aside, can actually block. Uh, more of a Heath Miller type. They catch the ball and block. So, you know, the running game will get a boost as well as a guy that, that, you know, can help you in the passing game. 
funny. One of the guys that uh, to me is uh, one of, one of my more favorite picks uh, uh, of the uh, tight end class so far is Ingram. I really like him. But the one guy, you know, I wasn't expecting Njoku to run a 4-6. Uh, that's a little faster than I thought he was going to be. I thought he was a little slower. Now, maybe I was just, you know, I, I, maybe people thought that was slow for him. I don't know. But I see him run a 4, what was it, a 4-6-1 or something, a 4-6? Yeah, right, right, just a hair over 4-6, yep. Yeah, and, and I see him do that. And I was I was pretty impressed for a guy who, yeah, like you said, he's a good blocker too. Well, I mean, if you look at it though, look at the University of Miami, their history with that tight end position. You know, guys like Shockey, Jimmy Graham, uh, just to name a few. Uh, Greg Olson's another one. You know, guys that seem to be able to run, you know, a little faster than let's say your prototypical tight end. We're not looking at the days of Mark Bavaro anymore of guys that were just slow lumbering guys that would catch everything near them. You know, you're looking at guys now that are basically just a taller, thicker wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's the, that's become the hybrid position and how that's changed. But one of the things that I just don't agree with, and this was occurring a lot in particular as I was watching the running backs, you know, I'm sitting there watching the running backs and in particular, I'm watching TJ Logan and and them talking about how if if he goes to a team that doesn't know how to use him, he might, well, you could say that about any damn player. So, I mean, that was just stupid overall. He's going to need a creative offensive coordinator uh, to know how to use him properly. Uh, he needs a real coach, you mean? They made it sound exactly. like the best was the match the match system we have now. In other words, the, the type of football that we have now somehow is magically different than it was 30, 40, 50 years ago. The match system that we have now, okay, fits coaches like uh, Belichick, it fits the hoodie. They were talking about how he's the best matchup coach in football. Like, like all of a sudden, football has been reinvented from saying, like, hey, listen, you're a Dolphins fan. I'll go with him. Like, like all of a sudden, football has been reinvented since Shula was coach, and he changed from a running system because that's what he had for talent to a passing system because he had Marino and the wide receivers, the Marx brothers. I, yeah. I, I, I love like they've reinvented the game of football that if the guy can catch the football out of the backfield, he's going to do that in the game now like he wouldn't have done it before. I, I, just, I, I just love how they're trying to make it sound like this is a completely different game and this is why somebody like Belichick is ahead of the curve. Stop, 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 stop. No, I mean, just, in, in book, you know what that, that'll tell you, JT, in my eyes? First of all, and we've alluded to that before, is that there's a bunch of these kids, first of all, that aren't prepared coming out of the uh, college ranks. College systems, right, right. One of you the know, things, I mean. They're not prepared when they come out. 
They're not taught yeah. how to be professional. They're not taught how to be professionals at their position. You know, if you're going to be a doctor, you go to school for 10 years to learn how to be a professional. You learn how to do what you're doing. A lot of these college systems are running just spread offenses because they want to score 70 points a game. Uh, they're not there to they're not there to teach these kids and prepare them for the next level, which is why I think the NFL needs some kind of developmental football system. Well, and because it, it's not a guy. Look at that. You've got people talking about Fournette now. This kid is two forty, running like the wind. Okay, and okay. worried about well, he's two forty now. What's he going to be? You know, talking about is he another Eddie Lacy and all that. Uh, and it's like, wow, you know what? They, no, his name isn't Eddie Lacy. Then they start talking about, I, I just love some of what goes on. They start talking about how they're not sure about his hands because he wasn't thrown the ball. Well, my thing is this. If, if you're his coach and you know you've got, not just his, any player that you know is special, they're going to get to that next level. Wouldn't you work to make sure, just like all your players should be, but in particular, a kid like that, that he's well-rounded, that he's had the opportunity to show his hands? You know, I don't know. Exactly. You think you give him the opportunity. And let me take you one further. You're a uh, a head coach for one of these big schools. Wouldn't you think you would prepare these players you know, Leonard Fournay, for example, to be the best they can be for the next level, to show your incoming people that you're trying to recruit, hey, we produce guys that are ready to play at the they're, – they're stars at the next level. We're going to make you a star and make you your money at the next level. Come play for us because we will prepare you. I don't understand why that isn't something that you see more often, you know, teach a kid like Fournay how to catch the football, prepare him to be an NFL player. So I, I just don't get it. What do you think of Kamara? I'm not a guy. I don't trust Tennessee backs. Um, okay. I, I don't know what it is about that school and their running backs. At this point, you can say the same thing about Alabama, the Ingrams, the Trent Richardson, yeah. the Eddie Lacy's. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'll tell you the guy that gets no talk who should be probably the top running back taken, in my opinion, is uh, Christian McCaffrey from Stanford. McCaffrey, Six, one, yeah. Two, 200 pounds, 6'1", runs a sub-4.5, excellent feet, excellent vision, uh, first step, in, one step and go. You're talking about a guy that you know averaged 6.3 yards a carry, carried his team, should have been the highest in the winner last year, um, but a guy also that can blitz pickup, can catch the football, and, oh, he went to Stanford, and he carried what was it, a 3.8 or a 3.9 GPA, so obviously he can learn – any system he's in. This is the kind of player I would be looking at if I were an NFL GM at this point. Without a question, it was funny to see uh, his dad, because his dad is Ed McCaffrey, for those who don't know. Uh, Someone you're familiar with. Yeah, well, also uh, John Elway is familiar with Ed McCaffrey, and Mm. he was there at the Combine in particular watching to see what McCaffrey did. And McCaffrey showed himself very well what everybody expected. But I think Marshall Falk hit on it probably the best when talking about McCaffrey. 
you talk about the reaction time that your feet and your eyes are one and his feet and his eyes are one and there's limited moves and motions between his cuts and his moves. You watch, and I did, I was watching the, uh, the I watched the whole running back segment in particular okay. just for, yeah, I'll, uh, I, you know what? I, I wanted to see in particular uh, the two running backs, McCaffrey and, and Fournay, for two particular reasons. One, I wanted to see McCaffrey's footwork and to see him go through that three cone drill was a, a clinic, a clinic of what your footwork should be. With that kind of speed, that that's going to be interesting to see a linebacker have to match up with that. That's going to be interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. first. Well, and if, then if you, you look at him, too, that, to kind of piggyback that, to piggyback mm-hmm. that, if you look at him, look how he sets up his defender when he comes out of the backfield with his route running. The guy runs routes, oh, almost like his father was a wide receiver at some point. The guy can actually run routes. He was trained to do it, and you can see it when he's out there. So another added dimension to today's pass-happy offenses. Without a question, without a question. And, but then, again, at the other end of it, I wanted to see – what Fournay's hands were like. How did he do? And then they have that one drill where you got to run back and forth from side to side and then catch one in the middle and run up. Okay. Uh And he was the smoothest of all the running backs. So it was interesting to see a guy that size, 240, have that speed. People talk about, well, we don't know his hands and yet have him go through a couple of the drills nicely. Now, a couple of them he double-caught, but he still made the catch. So it's a matter of repetition for him. He's such an athletic monster. Uh, It's going to be difficult, and in particular, if you're in Dynasty Leagues to me, where you're going to rate some of these people because you've got top wide receivers that they're, they're once, I mean, to me, there's a couple wide receivers that are available that that are going to be available that are just you know once in a lifetime guys again. Right. Same right. with these running backs. There's a couple of guys here that just could break it. Now, let me ask you something real quick as we uh, wait for our guest to go ahead and call in. Let me ask you something, JT. Uh, you were looking at the quarterbacks. Is there anybody uh, in particular that's jumping off the page at you or? Is this really not an exciting class to you? Um, overall, I'm not a big fan of this class. I guess if I had to pick somebody as my top guy, I'm probably going to go with Mitch Trubisky from uh, North Carolina. 6'3", okay. 220 pounds. Um, nice accuracy. Seems like he has good awareness in the pocket. He seems to be able to read the defense. Um, but the level, he seems to not – he doesn't seem to make the players around him that much better. Um, and this is the guy they have listed at the top of the board. The guy that intrigues me if he gets him or go back to your thing with the right coach uh, is Deshaun Kaiser from Notre Dame, 6'4", 230 pounds, big arm, uh, mobile. Kind of reminds me of a bigger version of Russell Wilson, maybe not as intelligent as far as the mental part of the game, even though he did go to Notre Dame. I think he can be taught. But uh, he's probably the rawest but the most talented. Uh, the one guy that I'd want nothing to do with, 
is Deshaun Watson. Yes, the same Deshaun Watson that just won the national championship. Uh, the same Deshaun Watson that I see as another RG3 type of quarterback has no touch on the deep ball in any way, shape, or form, and a guy that I just don't think teams are sold on. So, you know, that's kind of my breakdown. This class is nowhere near as good as last year's. Gotcha, gotcha. Understood, understood. You know, before we go to commercial break and then our guest, let me uh, go ahead and ask you a question. And uh, you mentioned Deshaun Kaiser uh, as a quarterback draft there. Uh, would you, as a fantasy player, in the leagues that we're in, would you ever take anybody by the name of Kaiser? Well, you know, that, that name just kind of scares you to begin with, Kaiser. You know, I, I almost like to say uh, it's like when I, you know, the few times that I've actually messaged him or messaged you about him, my phone seriously autocorrects that to loser from Kaiser. So, you know, there's something to be said about that right there when autocorrect is trying to save your ass. So, you know, that definitely knocks him down a few pegs. Are you saying that your fear then would be that he would fold in big games, something like that, anything like that? Yeah, you know, when the competition ones? gets uh, when the competition gets stiff, he kind of turns into a wet noodle, you know, type of thing. So, uh, you know, doesn't gotcha. have the moxie to be there in the big games. Can talk the talk but can't walk the walk kind of thing. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, it's it pretty much. Yeah, I would have to go with that. Pretty much. All right, all right. Let's go ahead. Let's take a commercial break for a second, and then we'll go ahead with our special guest tonight, Luke Akins, folks. You know, uh, for, for many of you, you've been listening to the Fantasy Jester Show, brought to you by FantasyJesterSports.com, your kingdom for fantasy sports and more. Blog Talk Radio, absolutely beautiful. As you hear, sound quality. Love working with the, these people here. Also, we're brought to you by Bread from the, your bed.com. Uh, there's nobody, if you're on this planet, is going to lie to me and tell me you have enough money. Make some extra money from home. Maybe get out of the job that you're in now and start making money from home. A little side money, change a career, whichever it is, whatever you want to do. But if, if it pertains to making money, there's one place, there's one financial blog to go to, breadfromyourbed.com. Now, if you happen to be in Florida visiting, or you live in Florida, we're also brought to you by the best damn dive shop and dive company, period, that you can go to and experience the wide range of dives that Deep Obsession Charters brings you. They have the Blue Heron Bridge. That is voted the world's best macro dive site. You can't make this up. It's, it is the most incredible scenery for any diver that you want to go see reefs. You want to go see wrecks. Wrecks that are planes, wrecks that are boats, all kinds of wrecks. But the best dive that they do is their shark dives without a cage. That's right, folks. You can have the opportunity to go out with Ryan Walton and the gang 
and dive with sharks, no cage. How good is he? My wife, Mrs. Jester, is now diving with sharks and uh, having a great time, something I won't do. Now, there are several things that I will do, and there are several things that I won't do. Diving with sharks is one of them. Uh, I'm not going to dive with sharks without a cage. One of the other things I'm not going to do ever, ever, is jump from a perfectly good airplane. Ever. I don't care. We've had, and I'm getting ready to bring JT back in before we bring in our guest. We had Dave Cockle on, and he explained how he was doing head first at 220 and from three miles and this, that, the other. And I thought he was nuts. Absolutely a loon. But nonetheless, amazing. Just as amazing as Ryan Walton diving with sharks, no cage. I, I find this to be absolutely incredible. And I'm a fan of all these people, uh, such as Luke Aikens, our guest that's about to come on. 25,000 feet without a parachute, folks. Guys like Felix Baumgartner, I want to talk to Luke about him as well. While I got him here, I might as well ask. I, I, I literally, I can't keep this man on long enough. I got to be honest with you because I, I've been dying to talk with him. So let's go ahead. Let's get JT and let's get Luke in here. JT first. JT, you back with us? Oh, yeah, right here. All right. And right now, folks, I'm getting ready to bring in the man who it's the most incredible inspiration of what you can do against what people believe possible. It is our honor and our privilege to have our next guest, Luke Akins, on. Luke, how are you tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks. How's it going, Absolutely Luke? amazing. Uh, absolutely amazing. Uh, it was called Heaven Sent, correct, Luke? Yeah, that was the, the name of the TV show. It was called Heaven Sent. That was the broadcast, and uh, just a clever name that they came up with to uh, send you down from the sky without a parachute. <laughs> yeah, Heaven Sent right to our show, literally. And, uh, boy, let me tell you, you know, I heard the story, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, when you were first presented with this, you weren't crazy about that. Is that accurate? Uh, yeah, more than that, I actually turned it down. I, I laughed out loud, and I said, uh, thanks, but no thanks. I got a wife and a son and a life, and I enjoy it, and uh, I don't really see how it can be done, uh, especially the way that they were talking about it. And I told them I'd help them figure it out. I'd love to be part of the team that helps somebody do it, but I'm not your guy. That was what I said when they first called me up with it. <laughs> how, 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 different, how different was it when they first came to you? How different was it from what you ended up with and what you had to actually do to make it successful? Well, the idea was the same. When, when these guys present to me, Chris Talley calls me up from Precision Food Works and says, hey, I got this idea. I want you to jump without a parachute. We're going to land on this <laughs> giant slide this giant slide, like 800, 900 foot tall slide. And it's going to slowly come out. And, uh, I kind of laughed at a guy, Jeb Corliss, another skydiver wingsuit guy has been talking about that for years with the wingsuit. Uh, I just couldn't figure out how you could test it, how you could do it. Um, literally I said, no, thanks. I went in the house and told my wife, we both laughed about it. She's an experienced jumper. 
And then about roughly two weeks go by, I kept waking up at night thinking about, man, if someone said, Luke, you have to do this gun to your head, how could you do it? Is there a way you could make this thing? So it's not just a, a coin toss or a leap of faith. Can you test it? Can you methodically prove it out like a flight test program? And I came up with sure. the net idea and air to decelerate me, and uh, we started going from there. Now, uh, was it a gradual progression you just kept practicing, and it was a gradual progression? Uh, did you start, say, at you know, 5,000 feet or 10,000 feet? Uh, how, how did you get to the point of going, okay, I can do it from 25 and not, feel it, uh, not have any problems? Um, I only wanted to do it one time. I mean, realistically, if you jump from 1,200 feet or higher, you're going the same speed. It doesn't matter if you jump from as high as Felix did or Alan okay. Eustace. If you jump from the right. stratosphere, by the time you get down to the atmosphere, down to lower altitudes, your terminal velocity is about 120 miles an hour. So it really doesn't matter how high you jump. Uh, and I thought, you know what I mean? If I'm going to do this thing, I want to do it once. So we dropped right. a bunch of dummies into it dummy weights from a helicopter and we tested the g-forces that they hit into it um and then i did a ton i did about 340 practice jumps getting ready for it opening my parachute super low and then i did 83 jumps in a row opening my parachute at well below a thousand feet right over the top of this 50 by excuse me 100 by 100 target so at going 120 miles an hour at 500 feet you know exactly where you're going to hit so we did that 83 Two, excuse me, 82 times in a row before we did it for real. So there was no guesswork. I don't know anything anybody can do 82 times in a row. Uh, I don't care what it is. Uh, so I felt like it was 100%. It was, there was no question on if this was going to work or not. JT, you want to get one? I have my – I listen, yeah, I could yeah, be no, asking I'm... a bunch of questions. Let me let JT uh, – Luke, this is my co-host, JT. I'm going to let him ask you a question, but uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to hog a lot of the time with you uh, that we're fortunate to have. So, go ahead, JT, get in there before I go at it again. Exactly. And, and Luke, awesome to have you on. And don't worry, I'm used to him hogging the time, so I'm, I'm well-equipped to handle this. So, Actually, I want to ask you, um, I've done some reading on you, and I read somewhere you've done some stunt work with uh, movies like Iron Man 3. Yeah, I, uh, I was uh, in Iron Man 3. I'm the last guy that gets rescued right before he, uh, when the Air Force One blows up and Iron Man flies around and grabs us all. We did that real okay. stunt. Uh, we had hidden rigs underneath our suits, uh, underneath like a business suit. I had a hidden parachutes on, and there was a whole team of 13 of us. And actually, I went to, after I had came up with how to do this thing, I went to the guys that, the stuntmen from that movie, and I said, hey, guys, this is what I'd like to do. Is it possible? And they, uh, they made the idea practical. You know, they're, they, Jim Churchman and Jeff Haberstadt, this is what they do, and they made it so that I could do this thing safely. See, that's actually probably my favorite scene in the movie, too, so I, I can picture exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, so I did. I was in Iron Man uh, 3, and then I did Godzilla, the Godzilla with uh, Brian Cranston where they're attacking the city and stuff. Uh, okay. Where they, the, Marines, the Marines skydive into San Francisco. Uh, I was one of the jumpers in that scene. And then in Fast and Furious 7, uh, I got to film the cars flying out of the C-130, which was super cool. Uh, in free fall next to a 67 Camaro was pretty fun. <laughs> Nice. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Uh, you know, I want to go ahead, 
back because uh, I, I have been. I, I've had a mini obsession. You got to understand, I've watched your jump at least three dozen times, Luke, at least. And uh, <laughs> I know I, I've sat there. I said, okay, at 16,000 feet, I, I saw you were literally – your heart was almost traveling as fast as as, uh, as you were. You're going 150 miles an hour, and your heart rate was 148, the gauge said. And then at 15,000, how you have to hand off the oxygen mask. But I, I saw at 5,000 feet when now you're being left by yourself, there was one person who stayed just a little bit longer. Who was that person? Yeah, so I had three guys jump out with me. They're all three of my really good friends. Uh, one, my cousin Andy Farrington. Uh, he was the guy I handed the oxygen system to. Um, and then I had uh, Jeff Provenzano, another buddy, a New Yorker there. Uh, he was out there jumping with me. And then John DeVore was filming, and he stayed with me uh, until roughly about 2,500 feet, which is about as low as we normally open our parachutes. Uh, and then, and he stayed with me just for filming and he said it was really weird opening this parachute and me just going, uh, because when I jumped out, there was no harness. I didn't have a harness on. I didn't have a parachute. There was no way that it's not like the movies where you could grab onto somebody and they could open their parachute and you could land. So from the moment I left the plane until the end, it was going to be the same outcome, but it was just something about having your buddies with you that made it feel a lot more, uh, like a normal skydive up until they started opening. And then you could see me start concentrating more and more as I get closer to the net. Yeah. And that was, uh, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that, uh, uh I, I watched it and, uh, you're by yourself. And then I, I was like, wow, that one guy's just staying with him. I wonder how far he can go before he's actually doing it with him. Um, <laughs> but you had mentioned the parachute. You had mentioned the parachute. And, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the was there a problem? They had wanted you to have an emergency chute on anyway, and you were taking it off, and they were giving you a problem saying that this whole thing might be canceled if you don't wear it. Is that, again, is that an accurate story? So it's really accurate. It sounds like a bunch of drama made up. What happened was I went out and got all the permissions I needed to legally do this. There's the governing body for aviation in the United States is the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration. I went through them from the very beginning. Um, They were okay with it. They had to sign off on some stuff, make sure I wasn't going to drop the oxygen bottle on anybody, make sure that the people that were there were far enough back, you know, a bunch of safety stuff. Um, The United States Parachute Association also governs skydiving in the U.S., which I'm on the board of directors of, and they have a rule that says you have to wear two parachutes and you have to open them by this altitude. Uh, but since I wasn't wearing any parachutes, uh, mm-hmm. I decided that I didn't, wasn't really part of the organization during that jump because to do a skydive, you have to wear a parachute. So I kind of was in the gray area on the rules there. But the Screen Actors Guild, which provides my health insurance from doing mo- work on movies and stuff, you get a pretty good deal on, uh, on your health insurance and some benefits. And they've been really good to me through the years. But some, uh, I had two guys, rem- not removed, but I didn't follow through. I had two guys I disagreed with on the, some training that they wanted me to do. And I said it wasn't impractical and it was actually hurting what I was doing. And mm-hmm. I, believe, I believe that one of those two guys turned it into the union and said this isn't safe and that I don't know what I'm doing and that I'm going to get killed. And so all of the stuntmen that worked on it, the stunt riggers, the people responsible for my safety – 
and myself mm-hmm. included are all part of that union. Well, they put a stop work order on us saying that you can't do this because wow. it's breaking our rules. And so it was really just a, a union thing. And it put me in jeopardy of losing my, my health insurance. Now, there's no insurance that I can get to jump out of an airplane without a parachute, right? <laughs> it's not like, right, exactly. it, it, I mean, no one's going no to give you that insurance. So uh, it, it was just my personal health insurance, my wife and my son. And the mm-hmm. union, we fought them back and forth. And then they said, if you wear a parachute, it's okay. But if you wear a parachute on your back, that thing's about six inches thick at your lower back. And it thins out near your head. So I was really, really worried, and my wife was, if I landed in this net going 120 miles an hour, what's that going to do? Is it going to hyperextend my back? I mean, am I going to hit this net and be mm. fine and then be paralyzed from it? We had never practiced. We had right. any of the research for it. But it was the only way that I could get this thing to go, so I said, okay, I'll wear it. And then the whole night before, I was really stressing about it. I didn't want to wear it. My wife and I talked, and the show starts. My wife says to the camera live on TV that she's, I think she said she's effing pissed uh, that people that don't know what they're doing are stepping in and they're putting my, my health in jeopardy. And then I happen to say the same thing on the live show. At that point, I guess the union pulls out of the show. The mm-hmm. union pulled out. So it's a non-union job, but they're not going after us. They, we can stay part of the union. It's a non-union job, but I don't know any of that happened. My wife kept those guys away from me because earlier in the day, uh, my stunt crew, my wife and myself, my stunt coordinator, my wife and myself had a talk. And mm-hmm. he, they said, no one can tell you how to do this thing. I mean, no one's going to do this but you, and you, you, know, you do what you think is right. We talked about it. Uh, I was going to take it off at that point, no matter what, because <laughs> that was the safe way to do. It's a yeah. practice. So I wore it to get in the plane. Apparently, I could have taken it off before I got in the plane, but my wife told those guys they have to stay out of my head. They can't be running up to me back and forth. You know, literally in 20 minutes, I'm going to put my life at risk, and I can't have that going back and forth in my head. So we just stuck with our plan. Yeah, Yeah, we stuck with our plan all along. So when you see me taking it off in the airplane, and then on the live show, they say they just informed him he can take it off. That's a little bit of BS. That part because <laughs> they they saw me taking it off and there's nothing that they could do about it. So uh, that that's the deal behind that whole story. So actually, Luke informed them that Luke was taking it off. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. That's pretty yeah, much uh, what we did, and that was. I believe it, it was the when right you're move. doing something. Yeah. No. No doubt. When you're doing something that it, it's your life in your hands, I, I really don't think many people should have that. Okay. That's and and I am a big believer in guys and professionals that are taking whatever you want to call them calculated risks. I don't care in any sport, anything you want. If you're only putting yourself at risk, if you're a mountain climber and you want to free climb some crazy thing that, to me, seems like you're going to die doing it. As long as you're not going to hurt somebody else and it's not going to cost a bunch of people anything else, I'm, I think everybody should be able to do what they want. If you're going to hurt somebody, that's a totally different story, and I have a problem with it. But to exactly. each their own other than that. Completely couldn't agree with you anymore, anymore. Uh, one last thing about this, uh, this particular jump, and then I want to ask you one more question besides this. We have uh, – uh, at the end, the, the net's being lowered. 
you did the uh, and for those of you who haven't seen it, I have the video posted and I'll, I'll go ahead and I'm going to make sure I tweet it again tomorrow, folks, for everybody. But at the last second, Luke has to go ahead, flip onto his back, obviously for safety precautions, for you to, so that your back doesn't snap. And uh, he's being lowered down, and the net's being lowered down. And then all of a sudden, Luke, I, I see you look over. And you start rolling back and forth like a madman, kind of all happy and kicking your legs and arms. Was that a little signal to your crew, and in particular your wife who was running up at that point? Was that a little signal that, hey, I'm okay, look, everything's working kind of thing? Yeah. Or was that just exciting? I I didn't think it through. I was just so jacked up. And and I waved and kicked my feet a little bit, and I was slowing my hands around, and I – and then I stopped for a second after that, and I took a couple deep breaths. And I worked with a really cool sports psychiatrist, a guy who works with the Seattle Seahawks and some Olympians, Michael Gervais. He's the, some sports shrink guy. He really, we worked on a lot of stuff. And he said, after this is over, you want to make sure to take a moment. Nobody else in the world will ever experience what you did right then. Take a minute. So right after I kicked, I kind of leaned my head back. I took a couple deep breaths, and it was actually a little mm-hmm. emotional. <laughs> uh, I, I was like, holy shit crap look what i just did uh and that was a really cool moment but the kicking and screaming was totally uncontrollable just excitement yeah it must have taken you hours if not days to come down from the adrenaline rush of that yeah i mean when i got home when i got home from a little wild media tour you know the morning shows the whole bit traveled around and we watched it about a week and a half later i watched it on tv we recorded it you know and I tell you what, I was nervous watching myself. <laughs> I knew I was kid, but I was nervous watching it. Uh, and you notice I didn't hit I didn't hit the exact center. I was about twenty five feet from the center and about twenty five feet yes. from the edge. Um, yes. I could have I could have slid to the right. I knew exactly where I was gonna hit, but I had a little GPS in my ear that was telling me my ground speed, which meant it said it was zero, so I wasn't moving at all. And if I tried to slide to the right a little bit and then stop again, I may have had a little lateral movement. So I knew I was in the net. I knew from my light system exactly where I was going to hit. So I knew I was right. safe, and I rolled. I decided, hey, in a, in a split second, all stuff goes through your mind. I'm going to stay right where I am. I'm in the safe sweet Not exactly in the center, but I'm in the safe, the edge of the sweet spot. Uh, I just rolled over and raced for impact. Knew you had it nailed. No sense. No sense getting technical about it. I've got it nailed. I'm making it. I'm flipping now, kind of thing. I tell you what, and, uh, it still bothers. It still bothers me that I wasn't exactly in the center. By the way, I saw an interview where you said you the one thing you'd do it again. You were asked if you'd do it again simply to get it direct center next time. I saw that. Yeah, that, that was great. That would be about it. Well, I, I'm I have no, plan. I have no plans about... to do that again. <laughs> I'm going to ask you one question about Felix in, in a second, but JT has one last question for you. JT, go ahead. Luke, uh, I've done in, in some more of my research and in, in learning about you. I read somewhere that you've done some training for like the U.S. Navy SEALs or some of the military organizations. Can you tell us anything about that? Uh, I, I don't know who I work with. I just work with some uh some top-tier individuals and help them try to stay safe so they can keep us safe. Nothing wrong nice. with that. Nice. All righty. Uh, you know, I, I've mentioned uh, Felix Baumgartner, and that was the uh, jumper that you had mentioned before as well. 
Uh, all right, just a couple quick questions on that. One, yeah. I had heard that you were the backup person for that jump. Is that accurate? Uh, there was really no backup for that jump. I worked on that jump for three and a half years. Uh, it was Felix's project. Um, the owner of Red Bull, Dietrich Mateschitz, Felix, he's very loyal to Felix. Uh, and he said if Felix wasn't going to do it, nobody was going to do it, which I was sort of bummed about. But I, uh, So I did all the training jumps on it, about 220 jumps, uh, designing his equipment, getting everything ready to go, the comm system. And then I helped train Felix for the jump. So I worked hand-in-hand hand with Felix and the NASA guys and everybody for about three and a half years on that project. So, uh, and at 4,500 feet, uh, he gets to the point at 4,500 feet, there's a call saying Luke made the call to drop smoke. Is that you? Yes, that would be me. How yeah, many so miles? He had, he had smoke. Uh, the smoke was because he's landing out in the middle of nowhere out there in the edge of New Mexico and Texas there. There are no trees. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to tell which way the wind's blowing on the ground. And with a parachute, it's like an airplane. You want to land it into the wind, you land a lot slower going across the ground. So he can't tell. So I had people strategically placed all over the countryside out there, and everyone had little smoke grenades, and they would all pop them on my cue, and then he would see little smoke puffs coming up and he'd be able to tell which way the wind was blowing that's what that was for so he could land a lot nicer he didn't want to fall down in front of the world on live tv (laughs) yeah it was interesting because uh during the call and as he's coming down uh they're trying to tell him it seemed like that the winds are out of the east or somebody was trying to tell him the winds are out of the east winds are out of the east and he's like the winds are out of everywhere it seems like and uh like i said at 4500 go ahead yeah, and at 4,500, I said to pop the smoke. And, like, yeah. realistically, I mean, at that point, uh, he's alive. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to make it at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all about being pretty for TV at that point. Uh, last one on that. From from the moment he jumped and from the point he jumped, and you may or may not know the answer to this, how many miles has the Earth's by the time he falls oh man I have no idea I wasn't words, on that uh, project. It, 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 he, did he jump 10 miles before the actual land how far how far was he before the actual landing spot in other words he wasn't dropping right on top of the spot you have to account for the uh, rotation of the earth no or no you don't no not no, not at all at that point. Like, he was high, but we're, it's not like he's orbiting the Earth. He stays over roughly where he was. Just, just riding the wind is the only thing that moved him where he was. Interesting. Once you're inside that, if you're inside that certain level, you know, it's rotating. The air is moving with the Earth and all that stuff, spinning at the same time. Interesting. Okay. Did not know that part. I, yeah, that was just something that was bugging me. Great, great. Luke, thanks so much. You, uh, like I said, you have stretched people's imagination you've been an inspiration to what you can do you can have people tell you that it's not possible and if you find a way if you take a look at something and you believe in your heart that you can work towards finding a way to make it possible you can literally fall from the sky without a parachute but let me ask you one last question luke 
are you shark diving without a cage? No way. Not doing that. Not doing it, huh? I've no- All right. Uh uh-uh. uh when I when I jump with the uh when I jump out I have control over everything going on. With that shark I'm in daring control. I don't think I'm I don't think I'm giving I don't think I'm giving that up. Yeah, no, no, I can promise you I'm not doing it. Folks, this is Luke Akins, absolutely amazing, amazing gentleman and a great person too. Uh if you haven't had the chance, go on YouTube, go on the site. Heaven Sense is the name of it. Luke, thanks so much for gracing us with your presence tonight and joining us. Have a great night, sir. All right. Thank you guys for having me. A pleasure. Take care. All right. Bye. Wow. I don't even know what to say, JT. That is just. No, it's absolutely crazy. I will say it sounds like the jester has a little man crush going on, though. Uh, I find it amazing for people. Okay, here's the thing. It's the jump that I I have the crush on. It's the fall. If you notice, I knew a lot about Felix Baumgartner, too. It's the idea that, uh, yeah, yeah, no. You see, as much as I wouldn't do the thing with the sharks, it's funny that Luke said what he said. The the, uh, The jumping out of the plane... I'd feel more in control of what's going on than if I'm with the sharks. I would understand. Right. Well, and I've always had that interest. Yeah, and and it's funny because here uh, I must I must have something about it in general because Mrs. Jester's concern with everything that's gone on with FXE and the wrestling promotion. And everybody, that if you haven't heard already, I'm going to be doing the Up in Flames match and all this stuff. Right. And her concern is my level of involvement of what we're doing. And I came up with an idea. She was here the other day. This was maybe about two weeks ago. And I had come up with an idea for a show that we're and we're going to actually do it. And the first thing she said was, how high are you going to jump from? See, because she sees me as like the Shane O'Mac type where I'll get on top of the cage and not care and just jump. So this whole jumping thing from heights, it's just, Mm -hmm. uh, I guess I have, yeah, I have an award to the idea. When when I saw Baumgartner drop from the stratosphere, you got to understand, right. Baumgartner dropped from 128,000 feet. We talk about Luke, and Luke is absolutely amazing, 25,000 feet without a parachute. But with a parachute, 128,000 plus Right, five feet. times the distance, though. Are you ready? His top speed when he jumped was 729 miles per hour. <laughs> you know, you got to be kidding me. I'd like, well, here's the part I'd like to see in, in reference to Luke saying he wouldn't die with sharks. You know, friend of the show who we've mentioned a couple times on this show in Ryan Walton, I'd like to hear him and his take on whether he would do what Luke did or do it with a parachute, you know, to kind of get, you know, we're talking about a guy that if you look at any of his pictures, uh, some fabulous shots that they take or videos, the guy's sitting there petting the shark on the snout like it's a puppy. Um, 
I would like to hear his take on what he do with Luke. You know, on I, I think if I can get Mrs. Jester on the line, I'd like to ask her. She does it. I know yeah, Mrs. Jester Mrs. somewhere on the line, I think you you got a better chance of jumping out of the plane usually. No, she's been on. She was on. I think she, wasn't she on? Wait a minute, wasn't she on when you weren't on? Oh no, I think she, she, well, she I, made a I visit. Or were you on? I don't know. I don't know. I know she. I know she's made a visit, but usually, I mean, she's an expensive guest. <sighs> so are you. Well, that is true, but you know, I live here now, so you really can't call me a guest at this point. No, no, you're like the uh, you're like the wallpaper. You've been here from the start. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Luke. Now again, someday we got to get Luke and uh, David Cockle on together. That would be an interesting uh, conversation going between those two gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. No. Uh, well, any any first of all, any any conversation with the Cockle is uh, yeah is interesting in itself. Uh, that man is funny as hell. And yep. uh no, to have those two actually I had uh matter of fact Dave is listening tonight. Uh, I had told him that the uh that Luke was going to be on and uh he, he's like uh he, he just thinks he's nuts. And that's funny because I think Dave's nuts. So if Dave Dave <laughs> yeah. is calling somebody nuts, what does that have somebody to say? Somebody that's saying something. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. No, uh, I'm sure I, I'd love to know. You know, I that's my wife. You'd think I'd know. Uh, Mrs. Jester, I know she will come on air. Can can she come over by the studio? Maybe I can get a thumbs up, a thumbs down if she would jump from a plane. Be careful, you might get another finger. What am I getting here? Hold on. Here she comes. She's working her way over by the engineers. Hold on, folks. What are we getting? We getting a thumbs up or a thumbs down? That's all you got to do is a thumbs up and thumbs down. For what? Oh, okay. I, I, would you uh, would you jump from a perfectly good plane? See, Luke Aiken said that you guys were nuts for, uh, and this is a man who's jumped from twenty five thousand feet, no parachute. You know who I was talking to tonight. Um, he said that there's no way he's doing a shark dive without a cage. So now as somebody who would shark dive with a cage, uh, without a cage, would you jump from a perfectly good plane? Yes, first? I would. Yes, definitely. You would jump from a perfectly good plane. Now, would you uh, jump from a perfectly good, good plane from 25,000 feet? Probably not, but you never know. So you have an altitude limit. I think so. Okay. Well, you heard Luke, okay? Um, He mentioned how there's not much difference once you get to a certain height, how fast you really travel. There's not much much difference in it. That's true. So maybe not. I'd have to see, though. Oh, all right. All right. Well, you're just as nuts as he is. All right. I married you. I know. (laughs) Oh, God, that's the truth. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you both of you for that. Um, and, and whenever I can have it, it's, it, I might as well just sit here. Whenever I have JT, folks, if I ever have JT and Mrs. Jester talking at the same time, I just might as well. I'm kicking my ass. 
that's all I'm doing is I, I, I put those two in the same room. That's all I'm doing to myself. And, uh, no, I, I, no wonder she's nuts. She's a whack. Oh, I know. No wonder. Uh, she's with me. You know, here's, here's the crazy part. There's a bunch of people that say she's with me just to see what I'm going to do next. And she's supposed to be the sane one. Now, wait a second. What's wrong with that picture? You mean to tell me the person who dives with sharks, no cage, going to jump out of a perfectly good plane, is the same one? Well, now let's and you're going to agree, let's, let's aren't look you? At you? Let's look. Well, let's look at you for an example here. Um, this is the guy that sits there and pokes the six nine renegade uh, and, and tries to pick fights with other wrestlers uh, that are under our brand. So you, you know, you have your own insanity streak in there to consider. Yeah, but you know, there's one thing. As Heidi Watney has said, the beard, she likes the beard. We all know the beard plays. And you know what the beard does? Oh, There you go. That's what the beard thank does. You. Yeah, yeah, thank you, Dirk Diggler. We we appreciate that. <laughs> hey, listen, real quick, before we go anywhere else and go on to Wrestling Fast Lane, FXE, and all any other good stuff, um, how do you feel? I, I, I don't know if you've heard the whole story or not. Everything uh, revolving uh, Reuben Foster and the hospital worker and all that, and him being sent home from the combine. Uh, have you heard much about that? Do you have an opinion on that? I, I've heard several things, uh, but everything's contradicting the stories right now. So I've yet to really hear something that's being uh, considered the right story. So I really don't know enough to talk about that yet, other than, you know, if they felt the guy deserved to be sent home, I mean, how, we're talking about guys that have done worse things than what this story says, and they weren't sent home. So there's got to be more to it is my point. You know, I have I have no idea because, yeah, unless he just hauled off and really belted somebody, right. and that's not the impression that I'm getting because there's no getting. charges have been filed or anything like right. that. Right, no charges filed, nothing like that, but yet he was sent home. Not to bring up some, you know, some crazy stuff, but go back to DeAndre Hopkins and the incident in the hotel room and some of the other things we've seen in the Combine over the last three, four, five years that are definitely worse than what we're being told the Foster story is. I just think there's more to it, and I don't think we've heard everything yet. It's it, It's got to be because uh, and if it isn't, if it isn't, it's a shame what they're doing to that young man's career. Now, from what yeah, I exactly. heard, now from what I've heard, it was uh, some testing that needed to be done, and there was a delay, and it was taking all day, and uh, it, it was he's under a time frame, and uh, he had other stuff that he also had to get ready for the combine, and uh, you know, if it's accurate, if it's accurate that he lost his temper, and it's because of the timing of everything and the pressure that he's under. 
if that is accurate, then I blame the people that are, are, are a surrounding him uh, and also the NFL because the, this should be a process that these young men, you, you still got kids, folks. I don't care. They're grown. Yeah, they look like grown men, big specimens, okay, great athletes and all this stuff. But in the end, anybody who's an adult understands at the age of 21, 22, 23, you're still learning about life. Where where were his advisors keeping him keeping him in line and keeping not just keeping him in line but more so keeping this the process rolling smoothly and making him comfortable making him comfortable if there is a hiccup because nothing in life goes smoothly right and let's look at it though look where the kid you know look at the school the kid played for you can't tell me that they weren't catered to hand and foot. Things were done immediately or, you know, uh, in a well, uh, well-expected yeah. time frame. You know, he's not used to um, being herded like cattle, and that's what the combine is. These players are herded like cattle. They're poked, prodded, um, mentally challenged, physically challenged, and, uh, you know, maybe he lost his cool. Which one of us haven't done that at some point in our life? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly, you know. But you know, now I, right. I have to ask you. I have to ask you something though before we go on to wrestling. Um, you know, it's it's my own very very mini rant, but uh, you know, there's got to be something done in the NBA. It's it's broken. Every year, these teams like the Mavericks or other teams that are out of it are cutting and buying out these players that are still good quality above average players. And then teams, and then what do they do? They flock to the first team that looks like they have a chance to win a ring, and they load mm-hmm. up on that team. Um, you know, the, the competitive balance is being affected by this. I think if a guy is bought out, he shouldn't be eligible to be signed until the following off season. Um, your thoughts on that? It's interesting because there's so many things about the NBA that I just don't agree with the system, and this happens to be uh, happens to be one of them. It, it, it's a it's a disgusting display now. Of, but then again, sports in general have come up with this rule, and it's one of these things, just like the NBA, letting something like this go on. And it's killing the competitive nature of the game in my eyes. And it hurts the quality of the game in my eyes. But the biggest thing that goes on is this, is the idea that every year the worst team gets the top pick. It gives a whole new trophy for people to shoot for. Failure at some point in the season becomes necessity. That's a broken system. Uh-huh. Well, at least the NBA does have the draft lottery, which I think I'd like to see uh, NHL, MLB, and uh, NFL go to as well. So that's one of the few things the NBA has where at least you're not guaranteed that first pick if you lose. Um, but this thing where you can buy players out, and then after, what is it, 30 days, they can join any team they wish to. It yep, really screws yep. with the com- competitive balance of the league. It loads up these teams, um, and it, pen- it penalizes teams like in, in the Spurs. I'll mention the Spurs. 
you don't see the Spurs out there running out and signing up all these people. They've got a chemistry to work, you know, on their team, and they do it, and they're doing well. Um, and then the other thing to mention, how badly does the Kevin Durant injury, I know it kills me in fantasy, but how bad does it hurt the Golden State Warriors in reality as far as their chance to bring home a, uh, a trophy? It doesn't. It doesn't. They were great last year without them. I don't think it changes things. I think, you know what I think? I think it puts the onus back on the players that have suffered. Yeah, have you seen how Draymond Green has played in the last month? Yeah, Green, yeah, Green will get a nice shot in, uh, in minutes. Uh, maybe we'll see Steph Curry shoot the ball a bit more. Um, still a big loss. Uh, you know, anytime you lose oh, it's a loss, don't get me wrong, but they, it's not like, oh, well, you know, they just lost the main part of their team, their heart and soul or anything like right. that. They didn't. They they missed a guy that they added from a team that set an NBA record last year. So, I mean, uh, it, it really, I, I don't think it, I, I think it's a minor hiccup. And the hiccup is this, uh, getting Barnes in there to go ahead and start getting working and getting cohesive with that offense. Other than that, it might end up being a blessing in the idea that the guys that aren't producing because you're so worried about going to KD now will go ahead and produce. Maybe you get a little bit more team teamwork going. Uh, again, this is a team that got to where they were last year without them. It, it, it's not. It's not that big. I hate to say that. I mean, I know it sounds silly, but it's not not with this team, not how this team is built. Um, one of the things though that are oh, crazy, and you're talking about what goes on uh, with contracts and whatnot, and as, as we get into wrestling, one of the crazier things, and this is exactly, this is exactly why a lot of workers, a lot of the wrestlers don't want to work for WWE, don't like WWE, walk away from WWE and all that money, because you have people at the top that are just vindictive at times. Now, I'm talking about everything, and I don't know, JT, if you've heard yet about everything with Jack Swagger and him wanting out of his contract. Funny you mentioned that. Yeah, no, I, I've read, listened to, listened to some uh, excerpts from him, some interviews. Um, you're talking about a guy that should be a main event type of guy that's been absolutely forgotten over the last couple of years. So kind of wonder what kind of malice and intentions being directed his way from management. Oh, well, see, they've turned it up. See, they've only begun to be an ass to him. See, that was bad enough. And okay. Uh, listen, I saw Jack. I saw Jack live here in Orlando uh, this past summer. I, saw, I was able to see some of his work, and uh, and he, he, he obviously he has some skills. He has some abilities. He needs a little bit of work, but for the most part, he, he's got size. He's he's got abilities, and uh, but it's very interesting because here's what WWE will do for you if you've been an employee and want to leave. See, there is no thank you for your service. We wish you well. You know, we had so many plans for you. I have no idea why you want to leave. 
for for a worker that they're not using. Let me repeat that. They're not using. He's not seeing airtime. For that worker and for his efforts and for his time and good luck, hope you make it somewhere else. Maybe later in the later in life we can use you again or you can come in as a guest or something. No, there is that not that. If you want to leave the WWE, here's how they handle it, folks. Really? You want to leave us? You want to opt out of your contract? And, well, I don't care if you are one of our main stars. I don't care if you uh, we are hardly used and, and we really haven't been using you properly. That doesn't make a difference. I don't care if you want to leave. I don't care if you're unhappy. Matter of fact, I'll tell you what. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to grant you your release when we're damn ready. And the condition of granting you your release is that you can't work anywhere else for 90 days. That's the latest. That is the latest out of the WWE is that they're going to grant his release, but he can't work for 90 days. You can't make money for 90 days because you're leaving us. Uh Wow. Wow. What a what a great professional organization. Well, exactly, and unfortunately for for Swagger, you know, apparently he signed that contract that stated a no compete for ninety days, um, and it's a shame because you got a guy that's a hell of a worker and somebody that could really uh, benefit to to moving on and doing his own thing. It kind of reminds me of the whole Del Rio or Del Patron or whatever he is now. You know, with with the whole TNA, what is it, the giving the belt back to Lashley or something? You know, you just wonder what's going on with a lot of these uh, wrestling organizations and, and what the hell they're thinking and where their head is buried at this point. Which brings us to this Sunday, Fastlane. Hmm. 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 Let's go ahead. Let's take a look at the card. Let's go ahead. Let's give some predictions. Is uh, let's try and get this through this quick, uh, as quick okay. as we can. Universal Championship. You've got Kevin Owens versus Whoopi Goldberg. Well, in that fight, I'd actually probably go Whoopi Goldberg. That's a scary kick, man. Um, but really, let's look at at old Bill Goldberg at this point. I have a feeling Jericho's going to uh, interject into this match. It's going to be a way to cost Owens in some way. They've got different plans for Owens at this point. So I see Goldberg walking out of there with his title belt. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Um, Sasha Banks. Uh, I'll give you my picks in a minute. Sasha Banks. Uh-huh. Nia Jax. That. It's WWN creative, so who knows what they've got planned. But if at this point, the way they've built Nia Jax and the way that we've seen Sasha and her um, inability to stay healthy, unfortunately, I would think you'd have to go forward with Nia Jax at this point. Okay. So far, I am going to – okay, uh, I'll stop there then on the picks because I was agreeing with you on Goldberg. I wanted to see how far we go before I disagree with you. And mm-hmm. I would say I, I would say Sasha Banks is going to uh, beat 
Nia Jax. Unfortunately for Sasha, I think the luster's worn off. I I understand that, but if we're thinking ahead towards WrestleMania and a four-way fatal four-way women's title match, think like that. Think think along the lines that say Sasha Banks wins early in the night, and then later in the night, uh, as Bailey and Charlotte are going at it, and Bailey's in. Sasha Banks corner and let's say she starts helping Bailey or whatever guess who's going to come out the already pissed off Nia Jax uh-huh. no you don't see no, that I, as a positive I hear, I hear you I just again don't see it Sasha Banks is, is Sasha Banks is busy giving interviews she probably shouldn't um, being injured that sort of thing. I just don't see her as as being relevant going forward at this point. And I'd be honest with you, the day after WrestleMania, or should I say two days after WrestleMania, I believe she'll be on that SmackDown roster anyway. So I don't see them doing anything to further her in the storyline. Hmm. Uh, like I said, I think they're building to that four-way. You don't think they're building to that four-way for uh, WrestleMania? No? I see a triple threat at WrestleMania, actually. Hmm. Okay. All righty. Interesting. Moving along, uh, and this is one near and dear to your heart, <laughs> Enzo and Cass Ugh. versus Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. And, folks, hold on. Before we give, the, uh, before we give this one, uh, let, let's make it clear. First of all, JT can't stand Enzo and Cass, and I absolutely love them. And that's no act of the show. It's not like, oh, well, we're purposely, you take this guy and I'll take... No, uh, JT is actually completely disgusted by the two of them, and I actually love the two of them, so... JT, go ahead. Yeah, well, uh, let's let's talk about the certifiable G-string Endo and Mama Cass. Uh, their wrestling reminds me of Endo. Uh, Cass is just soft, no matter how you want to spell it. Look at that guy. Go find a gym or something, dude. Um, they've yeah. had their opportunities here and there to ascend to the titles. I think Gallows and Anderson kind of methodically made their way up to that title title plateau, won the belt, and didn't win them that long ago, and I don't see them putting them down now. I think you're going to see uh, Anderson and Gallows hold those belts for quite a while. Hmm. Well, again, I, I, I've been saying for a while that they got to break those two up. And if you notice now, here here's an opportunity. Here here's an opportunity already built in because Cash just got done winning against them. Mm-hmm. Cash just pinned clean. Yeah. Okay. So now imagine if they lose. And they lose because of Enzo. Like they have many times in the past. Yeah. That could either set up the failure of them and them starting to break up. Or, remember one thing, JT, where were they popular? Where where was... Yeah, besides Jersey <laughs> and at White Manor, where was Enzo Amore and Big Cass popular, but down here at NXT, 
right. in Orlando. Hmm? Now, maybe they lose now to set up for WrestleMania where the faces, I mean, they are really, I mean, they get a huge pop, let's be honest. Oh, okay. no, there's, there's plenty of people out there that like them. Again, they come back no to Orlando with... where they were successful right. at NXT for WrestleMania and possibly getting the title there. You, Please don't tell me you're going to say, oh, Gallows and Anderson, and I heard that before. Gallows and Anderson uh, 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 could be ready for the title run for a long one. This is WWE. Since when? Does anybody hold the title no. long? No one seems to hold the title that long, but I guess my point is I think they like Gallows and Anderson. I think they do well as far as the get-over with the crowd. They're both good in the ring. They can handle themselves on the mic. Their acting skills uh, are, are a little suspect, but – and it's nothing against old uh, the certifiable G-string there, Enzo. He's not a bad guy. He works hard. He just doesn't have the talent in right. the ring that he does outside the ring. And I right. don't see Vince. I don't see Vince going that direction at this point. It's uh, it'll, it'll be interesting. We'll see what happens with that one. And uh, now, uh, moving along on the night, moving right along. Uh, any thoughts on Neville and Jack Gallagher? Uh, I think they should take that back to 205 Live where nobody watches it. Um, oh, okay. But if I, if I had to pick one there, I would uh, hope to say Neville at this point. He's the one that at least has earned it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's one of those candidates that could probably hold it long simply because nobody cares. Uh, right. Samoa nobody cares. Samoa Joe versus the guy who they just have no storyline for, so they just throw him <laughs> against anybody, Sami Zayn. No, am I wrong there? Yeah. Is it, I mean, one minute he's no. got, a, he's got a, a, a thing against Strowman. They put him against Strowman. They put him here. They put him against KO. They put him, uh, He's everywhere but on an actual course for anything. For anything. And let's look at this. This is the guy that's coming off of the match of the year in 2016 with Kevin Owens. Um, a guy that's put on some serious, serious matches that just, like you just said, they can't find a home. They can't find a story for this guy. Samoa Joe's the destroyer. Triple H has handpicked guy. They're rebuilding the authority 2.0. Uh, I think this is going to be a, uh, a definitive win in Samoa Joe's corner. Yeah, I, I got to be honest with you. Uh, they're, they're building him up to be a monster. And actually, you know, it's funny because it actually looks like he has taken the role that kind of, sort of, not, they've added that whole Triple H dimension to it. But it just seems funny. Here's another guy that's come up from NXT that all of a sudden is going to dominate right out of the gate. Very Finn Balor-esque just seems funny mm. to me. You know? Yeah, it does. You know, uh, you magically, one of Triple H's guys. Yeah, go ahead. What? Right. Just a thought on, on Samoa Joe. It almost reminded me of uh, how they handled Taz when Taz first came out, the, the suplex machine. You know, maybe more of a monster for Samoa Joe, but just the type of way they're having him uh, dominate and, and win matches. Um, and that's who he reminds me of. So if he has a career anything like Taz had, uh, he could be fun to watch for a while. Real quick, we're cutting down time here. Uh, Bailey, Charlotte Flair, 
Bailey the champion, but Charlotte on a pay-per-view, unbeaten. That streak continue? Yeah, I think Charlotte gets the hot potato backhanded to her at the pay-per-view, and I will carry that into WrestleMania. Agreed, 100%. Reigns versus Strowman. What do you got, JT? Uh, At this point, I think they've got more invested in Strowman with the crowd than they do Reigns, it seems like, so... I think that you'll have a rematch with those who at WrestleMania, but I think Strowman wins round one. Going to be interesting, I'll tell you, because I'll tell you, if uh, if Reigns actually wins, and that is my prediction, I know Joey Cage is going to lose his shitties all over the place. It's going to be funny. Well, I hope out. you're right, and I'm wrong, then, to be honest with you. So. You know he'll lose it. You know he'll lose it. All right, folks, real quick. Places you can find us, iTunes, the Fantasy Jester Show, YouTube, Fantasy Jester, FXE, AppMaker.com. Get the Fantasy Jester Sports app for your phone, Android, or iPhone, AppMaker, A-P-P-M-A-K-R.com. Look up Fantasy Jester. You have FantasyJesterSports.com. You have FXEWorld.com. You have at Fez437 on Twitter, at FXE World on Twitter, at Fantasy underscore Jester on Twitter, at Planet Carnage, talk to Chris Carnage, at the Everett underscore Lee, talk to Everett Lee. Don't forget, you can talk to our favorite rag doll about his <laughs> young new edition. We have a new rag doll in the family there. And folks, this has been the Fantasy Justice Show. Wow, I have to get out of here. We're about to wrap this up. Don't forget to join us on Wednesdays, FXE Live. This week, we've got one hella show. If you didn't listen last week, we're going to follow up. Last week, we had Robbie Ian Santana Garrett. What will I bring you this week? You'll have to tune in to find out. For the whole gang here, thanks so much for tuning in. For JD, myself, and the whole gang, I'm the Fantasy Jester, and I am out of here. If you had one shot, one opportunity, seize everything you ever wanted, one moment, did you capture Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, oh, oh.